I forgot that Amir Smith-Marset said he's one of the baddest mofos in the league after the preseason before he ended up getting moved to the uh, to the Panthers. I forgot about that. I mean, he just ran one back. You can't I'm, tell I'm, him nothing right now. I'm glad he's uh, I'm glad he's doing he's doing his thing. I'm happy he ran that back. That was one that was like, you hurt to see him go. Because, A, the story would be great, but also, he was, he. I mean, again, he was really good in the preseason, and we kind of knew that the Chiefs needed as much talent, but obviously we've seen that probably wouldn't have been fixed because he hasn't been able to work his way up the roster there in the wide receiver room. So, but glad, glad Amir Smith-Marset was able to make something happen there, and, uh, Hopefully he uh, continues to have success as a return man. That that made it that made it worth the, uh, the trade for the Panthers right there, right? I mean, they have to win, <laughs> and he's got to do more than just return one kick to a touchdown. <laughs> They're not a very good team right now, so I don't know about that. But uh, I don't think they traded very much, anyways, for him. Um, so yeah, there's two teams in the AFC I think uh, whose windows are very close to shutting for now. Number one. I think it's the Buffalo Bills. The reason why I think it's the Bills, the Bills window is closing. A, as I said an hour ago, I think Josh Allen has regressed some as a as a quarterback because I think he's hero balling it out there a little bit too much. And he's trying a little too hard. And the problem with it is that we saw this happen with Cam Newton. Cam Newton, big, powerful big, you know, very strong quarterback could lower his shoulders and run guys over, but that these guys are big in the NFL and that damage that you take playing that style as a running quarterback, it takes its toll. So there's a shelf life for your ability to play like that. And he takes too many dangerous hits. And so I think at some point you could see some regression. I think you've seen a little bit as a passer, but he's starting to get hurt a lot more now and it has to be very painful playing that style of football. And, you know, you look at the Bills right now, they're five and four. And, I mean, a couple of things don't go their way against the, the uh, like if, if Chris Godwin looks up on that Hail Mary when the, the Bills played the Bucks, he catches that ball that's a touchdown into game. Bucks beat the, beat the Bills. If the referees do their job and call a DPI at the end of that Giants game, we're talking about a three and six uh, Bills team, and we're talking about a team that probably isn't making the playoffs. Like that's a team that that is not right now passing the test, and then they go to Cincy and uh, they get handled there. I mean, it was I know it was I think it was a six point loss, but like Cincy was in control of that game from the very beginning. Um, was not super competitive there, so. Um, yeah, I, I very much feel like you look at their roster up and down. Gabe Davis is in his final year of his rookie deal. I don't think he's going to resign there. I actually talked, me and Bink were on, um, after hours here. I think this was back in August before the season started. We talked to Gene Battaglia, who's a radio host up in, up in Buffalo. And Gene said, yeah, he's probably not going to be back. This is, his number's probably going to be too high. And the problem with the bills is that, they have a lot of guys that they've had there. They've had to pay and they will have to pay. Um, I mean, they're paying Dawson Knox a lot of money. Who's to not be their best tight end. 
Dalton Kincaid has been their best tight end this year, and Dawson Knox is getting passed up. But they can't get rid of Dawson Knox un- until I think after next season because he's still got a lot of guaranteed money because they they paid him a lot. I think it was before last season they paid him. So they can't get out of that contract. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are both now in their early 30s, their safety duo. And they're both really good, but they're both in their early 30s. They're starting to regress a little bit, getting hurt a lot more. And uh, you've seen Matt Milano get hurt this year. Uh, I think he had a serious knee injury in the London game against the Jags. And you look at their uh, defensive line and, you know, Von Miller just came back from an ACL tear. Von Miller's like my age or maybe a little bit older than me. Um, he ain't young. And, you know, at some point there's going to be that regression there. And he certainly hasn't come in and been the same Von Miller he was pre-injury, which is tough to do. It's really tough to do when you're in your mid-30s and you're trying to go back and play a game that really has become a young man's game at that position. Um, so that's that's going to be really difficult for them because he's their best pass rusher. You you lose his production at, at the elite level, and all of a sudden you're talking about a, a very different situation there. And, you know, then you look at their offense. Stephon Diggs turns 30 in December. Um, he's not young. And at, we know once you start getting into your early 30s, injuries can start to pile up. We've seen it with DeAndre Hopkins, who's – I don't even think he's 30 yet. I actually think Hopkins is 28, 29. And injuries have been piling up for him. Um, they haven't run the football very, I mean, well at all since uh, Stefan Diggs has come there. They were a pretty good running football team in the early days of Josh Allen when he wasn't much of a passer. He was more of just a runner. But now that Diggs is there, they're much more of a passing team and they don't run the ball very well. And they're, they haven't really shown that they can lean on the run the last few years, even though they've had some pretty good backs back there like Zach Moss very good back who's actually having a very good year in Indianapolis even though he did nothing in Buffalo Singletary who's now in Houston uh, wasn't super effective there but he's actually been more effective down in Houston now um, I mean this is a team that's that's you know risking it there and then on the side of the the Bengals they just gave Joe Burrow a ton of money he got 55 a year that contract's not going to kick in for another two more years. So they don't have to worry about that. But you got 55 a year for Josh for uh, for Joe Burrow. You're about to have to pay, uh, like I think next offseason, Jamar Chase will be eligible for a contract extension. Guarantee to you he's going he's gonna to be pushing for it either next offseason or the offseason after that. Um, so that's going to be a lot of money. You're talking about well over $30 million a year because Tyreek got $30 million a year on his extension with the Dolphins. So you're talking about a pretty healthy extension for Jamar Chase. T. Higgins is about to be a free agent. I don't think they're going to pay T. Higgins. Bengals have historically been a cheap franchise anyways. But, you know, obviously they can't be cheap here because – you're going to want to supply some talent to your quarterback that you just paid uh, $55 million, uh, a year to. But they're not going to pay both Chase and T. Higgins. So T. Higgins is probably uh, going to be the probably the top free agent wide receiver this coming season. Certainly, I think the Chiefs should be in the market for him if they can. Uh, they might have to make a choice between him and Chris Jones, and I, I kind of think he might be the guy. Um 
And you look at their defense, they just gave more money to to Trey Hendrickson. So you're going to have to make some choices there on your D-line. Sam Hubbard might not be there too much longer. Um, Jesse Bates the third ended up going to Atlanta in the offseason because they didn't want to pay him. They franchised him a year ago, and then you know now he's down in, in the ATL. I mean, their their roster's changing a lot. They're they're losing a lot of guys, and they're kind of have to try to do the rebuild as you win thing that the Chiefs have been doing. But it's really hard to do that, and they haven't been the best team at drafting other than what they do with their top ten picks. So um, I, I very much think that now that you started to pay your quarterbacks and you got to start making some choices about the rest of your roster – the window starts closing a bit because you haven't proven that you can go and do what the chiefs did, which is to completely overhaul your roster in a couple of years and build a top five defense. And now right now they're trying to, you know, work on their receiving core, but you have a, a really good offensive line in front of your quarterback. You got talent around him. It's just a lot of unmolded talent and you've got a top five defense in the league. And the Chiefs are winning, and you look at the Bills, and you look at the Bengals, and they're in worse shape, and they are much older than the Chiefs are in a lot of places, and they got to start paying these guys. So once you start paying guys, generally your window starts to to close there, especially after you hand out that, that quarterback contract after the rookie deal expires. So um, I do think that the windows could very well close if they do not draft it incredibly well here in the near future. And that's the reason why I think there is at least some solace as to the uh, struggles that the chiefs have had on the offensive end. Other teams seem like they might have it worse coming up next. Julio has a very interesting take hot take hot take about Patrick Mahomes. I'll tell you what that is coming up next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Final hour of After Hours here on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. However you choose to listen, we thank you. I am Chris Winocero. I am joined by my guy, Julio Sanchez. Our first show in months. If not longer. Yeah. Was it a year ago? Probably. Yeah, it was probably a year probably. ago. It was probably a year ago. Because you've been out on paternity leave for a little while because Julio is now a father. Yeah. Enjoying his fatherhood. I am. Very much so. And uh, I've been busy with character concerns. Me and Bink do a NFL draft-focused podcast. Comes out every Tuesday morning, wherever you listen to podcasts. Appreciate it if you download and subscribe to it. Uh, we keep you Right now, we're keeping you updated on all of the things that are happening in college football and how it pertains to the NFL draft. Plus, we're keeping up on potential guys that the Kansas City Chiefs can be looking at in the draft coming up in April of 2024. So uh, if you're a bunch of mock draft nerds, oh yeah, if you're a mock draft nerd, that's the place to be, especially because like in a month, we're probably going to start doing a lot more mocks now. 
because we're kind of waiting to the end of the It's never too early season. for a mock draft, huh? Oh, we're not going to do it now. I mean, it's too mm-hmm. much to cover right now. But uh-huh. once we get to bowl season, we'll probably do a few mocks. And we'll probably hit on some of these mocks that people are putting out here pretty soon. Um, so, yeah, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, appreciate if you download and subscribe and leave a star rating. I don't really care what star rating you give it. If you want to give it a one because you don't like me, cool. Just leave something there. Um, but yeah, we appreciate your patronage on our podcast. Me and Bink work very hard on that thing. So yeah, Julio decided to copy me. And oh, no, this is original. No, no, no. You decided to copy me with the hot takes. I have been the hot take guy. Is here. it that hot? T- is that is it that hot? I mean, we can let the people decide there. But what is your hot take? All about right. our quarterback, Patrick. All Mahomes. right, our our savior, Sir Patrick Mahomes. Yes. So I, I feel like it's more noticeable this year than in previous years. But I, and at, let me let me pre- preface this by saying yeah, you better preface right, the hell let me out preface of this, this by saying being a Chiefs fan, I appreciate it, right? But I have noticed it more this year than ever before that he's kind of turning into LeBron James. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is feels like he's starting to cry a lot about calls that he's not getting. And again, as a Chiefs fan, I can appreciate it, right? Because he's working the refs, right? It's kind of like that Tom, same Tom Brady mold where yeah. you'd see him complaining and working the refs, and then by the, end of the, by the end of the game, he's getting all the calls, right? He's getting nonsense calls. You, you touch his helmet, flag, right? You touch anywhere on him, flag. That, that's kind of where the, the realm that he's moving towards. And as a Chiefs fan, I appreciate it. However, those that are not Chiefs fans, it would bug the hell out of me seeing him get up and complain about every single call. Like, it just – it's not a popular opinion here, but he, he seems to be crying a lot more. Could be me. So Could be me. I do agree. Could be me. That he is absolutely coming like at the refs. You see him standing more. up and like yelling at the refs and swinging his hands and like. Very often he will come up and he'll throw his hands up. More emotional. About he'll throw it. his hands up and he'll look at the refs like, yeah. "Dog, did y'all see that?" Here's what I will say though, and I have tweeted this out probably every single game the Chiefs have played this year. He does not get protected enough by the officials from contact from defenders, especially when he runs. I mean, I mean, and it seems like it's been that way probably since Super Bowl 55 when the Buccaneers just absolutely destroyed him for four quarters. I mean, they some of those hits, if they happened to Tom Brady, if the Chiefs oh, defenders have been doing they they're getting called. They would have tossed 100%. them out of the game. They would have shot them into the sun. That is how much the referees have protected Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes doesn't get that same protection. And to me, I am perfect. If, if this were Tom, like Tom Brady did it too. Like when, during oh, his yeah, career, Tom Brady all threw his hands and up. It, and hey, it bugged the hell out of me. He breathed on me. He it, should get a flag. Oh, that annoyed me so And much. it annoyed the hell out of me. And I, I understand that part. If I thought that Mahomes were getting, I, if he were appropriately protected, appropriately protected by the officials, 
and he was still doing that, I get it. Like, I'd 100% agree with you on that. But I I feel like he has not been protected nearly enough. Nor do I think any quarterback that has any sort of mobility, like good mobility, gets protected enough by the referee from those kind of hits. Because, like, yeah, that's fair. Because right. there are so many times where, like, I mean, even in the pot, even when he's not running, there's times where, like, he's gotten hit well after hand to the, the head, hand or... to the head, or and like, I, I don't think push like, to the ground late. Yeah, and my, my thing is like, I don't believe if I think if you touch a quarterback's helmet, like, just touch it, not smack it, like, touch it. I don't think that should be a flag. I think if you grab it, I think if you smack it, which you you'll see guys get actual oh, yeah. hit on the oh, head. Yeah. Easy. Throw it up there. But like there's been times like I remember God, I want to say this was 2008, I think. This was We're going way back. Yeah, this is like 08. I believe it was Chiefs Titans and it was Sean Smith I think was the DT for the Chiefs. And there was a play where he was rushing the passer and he just literally just like wiped the top of the of the Titans quarterback uh Titan quarterback's helmet might have might have been Kerry Collins at that time um Kerry Collins might have been Kerry Collins or Vince Young and he just literally just wiped the top of his helmet and they called a, a roughing the passer that stuff should never be roughing the passer cuz there's no roughing if you just wipe the top of the dude's helmet but there are times where Mahomes has gotten pushed Mahomes has gotten hit a little bit a little like laid out of bounds or thrown down. Yep. And you know, you remember, what was it? I think it was, I think it was last year. It was the same week as well. There was last year where the bucks were playing the Falcons and Grady Jarrett got loose and he sacked Tom Brady and they flagged him because he twisted and threw. They said he twisted and threw down Tom Brady. Nonsense. Which was, it was ridiculous. Nonsense. It was it was a legit tackle. It, there was nothing rough about it, other than the fact that it was a tackle in football. Like it was nothing. It was nothing excessive. Brady was fine, but you know Brady came up. Oh, he roughed me, and he got the call. Then the very next night, Monday Night Football, Chiefs Raiders Arrowhead. Um, Max Crosby did the exact same thing to Patrick Mahomes. It's actually worse. They actually threw him down. It harder. was worse. Nothing. It was. No call. And Patrick came up and he threw his hands in the air and he got no call. And then later on in that game, Chris Jones got called for roughing the passer, even though he literally did everything he was supposed to do to not land with his full weight on Derek. The Carr. only, the only thing, only thing more he could have done was put a pillow down and, exactly. and wrap him in a blanket. Yeah. The only thing he could have done was put some sort of landing pad back there and then put him down on that. So he's, his, 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 uh, his landing on the ground wasn't as hard. It's the only thing that Chris Jones could have did that was better than what he actually did. Because he literally used his arm to brace the impact so he didn't lay in there with his full weight. And on top of that, before Derek Carr was even down, Chris Jones had possession of the ball. So at that point, he's not a court, he's not a passer anymore. At that point, he's he's a just a another player on the field. So I I agree with you on the sense that he definitely has turned it up a little bit more, but for good reason. Because the referees have not protected him enough. And honestly, I don't think, I think because he runs a lot 
the referees are just naturally not going to protect those guys. They're going to be more inclined to protect the guys, the the Kirk Cousins, you know, the, the guys. Pure pocket passer. Yeah, like the guys who are more so going to be pocket guys, not going to throw on the run a bunch, not going to scramble outside the pocket. I mean, when Kirk Cousins runs outside the pocket, you're like, oh, dude, what are you doing? Just get rid of the ball. You know, it's like, there's nothing. It's like, it's like when, when Matt Castle would do it, like when Matt Castle ran outside the pocket, nothing good happened. Nothing good ever happened. He was going to run out of bounds for a two yard loss every time or throw it away, but he didn't throw it away enough. Usually it was a two yard run out of a two yard loss out of bounds. And I just think that these, t- these, these officials just don't want to do enough to protect these quarterbacks when they are mobile like that. And that's the reason why I think that he doesn't quite get the calls that he should be getting. But I do agree he has kind of turned it up a little bit, but there's a good reason for it. His acting has improved. It has improved. It has. Yes. It has improved and and you know he has to. I mean, like this this is the reason why like I don't get on LeBron too much for flopping. Oh, I do. I mean, he's oh, I look. He's he he's, he's a tank. Like for as big watching of a dude him as he flop. is, man, he's the biggest dude on the court. Yeah, he's like six eight, two fifty, from some like five eleven yeah, guy. That I mean, it's running down. Some the of it's Come ridiculous. On. Some Come of it's on. like whenever you see those defensive linemen flop and they get pushed by an offensive lineman and they act like they got shot by some sniper up in the nosebleeds. Like that is a little bit too much. But yeah, like I I I. When I watch LeBron, yeah, there's sometimes where it's a little ridiculous, but sometimes he has to because he doesn't get calls he probably should because he they're like, oh, he's big and strong. Uh, even if they, you know, hit him on the arm as he's going up for a layup, he's so strong he can play through that contact. That's like Shaq back in the day. Yeah. Right? They used to hack a Shaq they, and just whack the crap out of him. Shaq would but get fouled like every time he got the ball in the post, he got fouled. And they twice didn't call as big as anyone. Yeah. And they couldn't call it most of the time because it didn't really negatively affect his ability to score that mu- that well, much. And the reason why I think it annoys me too with we can go back to Shaq or, or LeBron. They they like to bully on the offensive end with the ball, back people down, make them look silly, but then they can't take it themselves. Which which good for them, right? I mean, there's something too the flop and getting the call and frustrating your opponent. And I mean, there's, there's things behind it. I can appreciate it a little bit, but also it's just annoying. You're the biggest guy on the court. You do bullying on your end, but then you want to flop on the other end. It just, yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Like that's, that's, I, I'm it's annoyed not pleasing to the eye. I'm annoyed by the over the top flopping that he does, but yeah, I mean, he got, he's got to sometimes cause sometimes he's just not going to get those calls because of the assumption of his strength and how will he, how will he plays through some of that contact. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you make a point, but you know, like I said, I think there's good reason why he does some of that sometimes um, 10 to three in Chicago Panthers up on the bears fourth and four for the bears. It looks like they're going for it. What are they, what are they doing? Their quarterback is Tyler Bajan. So um, we'll see uh, some questionable call making here. Um, oh, they converted. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. They're in field goal range now. Um, we'll keep you updated on that game. Plus on top of that coming up next, there's a player on the defense. Uh, I believe has probably been getting a little bit too much credit for what the defense has been doing this year. And I'll tell you who it is next. 
You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Come on. Come on. Bears very quickly uh, ended up squandering the ability to to get a touchdown on that drive. They did get a field goal, though. It's 10-6. Panthers over the Bears in Chicago. We got a barn burner here with these quarterbacks. Hey, it's more entertaining than than I thought it would be. So, yeah, I'm giving I, credit for that. Yeah, but that's because neither defense is very good. <laughs> neither defense. This might actually be in the 20s. I don't know what the what the what the total was before the game. I mean, it, that total had to be under forty points. This might actually beat it. We'll see. They might actually beat whatever the total was. I would, if I had to guess. I mean, I, somebody on the J Southland Tow Service nine one three five eight six seven six ten. You can you can you can put the 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 pregame total number. I, I would guess thirty eight and a half. And I probably would have thought about taking the under on that one. I only put one bit in on the game because I was like, yeah, it's a tough one here. But I saw one I did like, and uh, so I took it. I don't think it's going to hit, though. I'm not sure it's going to hit. Um, I'm uh, not sure if I'm going to get a touchdown pass from Bryce Young tonight. We'll see. Uh, so I talked about a couple hours ago about how I think Chris Jones, not Chris Jones, uh, Steve Spagnolo doesn't get enough credit for what he's done with the defense and about how he was always a coordinator that didn't get enough credit for his ability to call defenses. And he has found a way to build an elite defense playing a style that is basically like way against what every team out there is trying to do. Like most of these teams are really trying to cut back on blitzing, play a ton of zone and just force the opposing quarterback to have to try to fit the ball into these tight zones and, and teams are going to play a lot of match coverage and just blanket your top receivers. That's what all these teams are doing. The bills do that. The bills don't blitz very much, play a ton of zone. We're going to get pressure with our front four. Sometimes we'll drop, we'll drop eight and we'll send three. The, the Bengals do it all the time. Like Lou Anarumo has been great about that, especially with against the Chiefs. He does a ton of drop eight coverage against the Chiefs, and it's super conservative. We're going to play zone coverage, force you to beat us with short passing. And Spagnolo is not doing that. He's like, I'm going to blitz the hell out of you. I'm going to press your guys at the line of scrimmage. I'm going to force you to beat me by throwing off the timing of your offense, and you're going to have to be patient, but you can't be too patient because our guys will hit you. And one other thing I think he's done is that he's taken away the necessity of Chris Jones in the pass rush. Now, let me clarify that. That doesn't mean that Chris Jones is not someone that, uh, that it can, that, that they don't need to contribute at all. You're, you're venturing into I know, take territory. I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's why I'm trying to Careful. clarify this. But they haven't – like, Chris Jones has not been a necessity for them to play well as a defense. Like, Chris Jones doesn't need to play well for them to play well as a defense. 
they don't even need Chris Jones on the field to play well as a defense. Now, do they play better with him on the field? Absolutely. Like, let's just let's get that away right now. To be elite, they need someone of Chris Jones' caliber. But do they, they? can play? They can play. But do great they? defense. They can play good defense without him. But are they, do are they? they a top three like, to top five defense? Because Chris Jones didn't play Chris well Jones? on Sunday. Chris Jones didn't play well that. on Sunday. I don't know about that. He didn't. He didn't play that well on Sunday. And they were hitting Tua. And they were forcing Tua to hold on to the Tua held on to the ball more than he had done the entire season on Sunday. But is it, that's that has more to do with the secondary. And right, if Chris Jones is getting double teamed, he's getting chipped. He's yeah. getting I mean, that also creates other opportunities exactly. for those along the line. So exactly. there is a, a waterfall effect to having him. They there. don't need him to be great. But those other those other guys on the defensive line wouldn't be as effective, right, if Chris Jones isn't being double teamed. I don't I mean, first off, Chris Jones doesn't get double teamed every time. Because the not Chief, every time. the way that the Chiefs run their defensive line matchups, they run it so that they don't get doubled. Yeah. Like, because they don't, because like typically what you're going to do is you're going to have one guy that's lined up in between a center and a guard so that he can get doubled. Like, that's what you do. It's called, it's called a, a, a one tech or a zero tech. And like their whole job, zero tech is going to be lined up straight on the center, but you're going to line up one guy who's going to play nose tackle and he's going to go straight in that a gap and he's going to draw a double with the center and the guard chiefs. Don't do that very often. They actually have both of their defensive tackles lined up out on the outside shoulder of the guards. So that they're going to draw a one-on-one. And so the center doesn't, a lot of times doesn't have anyone to block. He's just literally just standing there watching guys. It's, it's actually, it's, it's kind of weird. It kind of, it makes them a little bit more susceptible to the run, but they usually only do it on passing downs anyways. But it's the reason why they blitz so much because they'll they'll send like Willie Gay down the middle or Nick Bolton down the middle and and uh, he'll get that center matchup or the cinnamon delay, and so Chris Jones doesn't get a whole. I mean, he gets doubled a lot, um, but he doesn't get doubled as much as like a traditional nose tackle would. So he does get a lot of one on one matchups. But the thing about it is that the Chiefs have other good pass rushers too. I mean, George Karloftis has already matched his sack output from last year already. Half the season. He's got six sacks on the year. So he's he's well on his way to he becoming a big anchor of that of that defense. Mike Dana has five and a half sacks. He has just as many sacks as Chris Jones does. He has five and a half sacks. And he's not just lining up on the edge. He's lining up as a three-tech as well on the inside. He's playing all over the line, and he's doing really well. I mean, you're, right now, the Chiefs, they're generating a ton of pressure with the blitz, too. They're sending like, – that's really one of the biggest reasons why their defense has been so good. I mean, I think the only team that blitzes more than them is the Vikings. I mean, they blitz a ton. They are constantly sending pressure at the opposing quarterback. And, you know, when you're blitzing, obviously everyone's going to get one-on-ones. You're not going to, you know, send six blitzers there and – uh and you're not going to, and, and, you know, someone's getting doubled in that situation. You're just going to be one-on-ones. And so their scheme is creating great matchups. And all they need is one of those guys to get free and get to the quarterback. And you're either going to get a sack, you're going to get, you know, a, a, a pass thrown away, or you're going to get a terrible pass attempt that is probably not going to be on target at, at all. And, you know, you're talking about a stop there. The Chiefs' scheme has kind of been built around not needing Chris Jones. 
I'm not saying that Chris Jones's presence doesn't help him. I'm just saying that the way that they're scheming their defense, he isn't the necessity that he was last year or the year before that or the years before that. Like he was he's been a necessity the last 4 seasons. He is not a necessity right now. Doesn't mean he's not important. He's not he's not important to the team. Doesn't mean that his impact isn't felt. Certainly him drawing a double team is something that makes everyone else's job on that defensive line a lot easier. And he's very cool with pulling that double team because he knows it's going to help spring someone else loose if they get the, if they get the jump on their guy in their one-on-one matchup. But um, the thing is, is because they blitz so much, he's getting a lot more one-on-ones than he normally would. And generally all they need is just one of those guys to get loose. One of the, like a lot of times what will happen is that one of the DBs coming off the edge will, will, will generate pressure and that throws off the play. I mean, the way that they're scheming things, it has kind of made it so that what Chris Jones does isn't as, as necessary to the success of the play as it was in previous years. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Like I said, I'm not saying, I'm not saying they don't, they don't like, I'm not saying that he's not an important part of their defense. I'm just saying they don't have to have him in order to succeed as a defense. They're better with him, but they're not terrible without him. And that was kind of the narrative going into the season is that, Oh, how are they going to play good defense without Chris Jones? He's their best pass rusher. Well, they, they kind of proved that, didn't they? The first few games. When, first, when Chris, I mean, the first game of the Jones season. Sat out. The first game of the season, right? he sat out, and they only allowed 14 points on defense. And they were constantly putting pressure on Jared Goff the entire game. The only, I think the only, the only receiver that had a good game for the Lions was Amon Ross St. Brown. I think that was it. And Dave Montgomery had a pretty good, pretty good game, too, as their starting running back. But that was it. Like they only scored 14 points. And if not for the pick six from Brian branch that went off of KT's hands, chiefs would be eight and one right now. So like I said, I, I don't think he's the necessity that he has been in the past few years coming up next. I want to go over who I think are the real contenders in the AFC And who are the teams I think are getting a little bit too much hype? You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Oh, 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 she says she wants some Marvin Gaye, some Luther Vandross, a little Anita, but definitely set this party around. A little bit over 20 minutes left in the show. After Hours here on 610 Sports Radio. Chris Unocero, Julio Sanchez. Bears in Panther territory. Just like, marching down the field. Yeah, just marching down just the field. Just marching down the field. Like surgery. Yeah, they got 12 Badgers seconds left. ripping them dude. apart. We're almost at the... Uh, we're almost at halftime here. They got 12 seconds left. Probably going to try to see if they can... Get a little bit more yardage for a more manageable field goal. Badgers looking like Patrick Mahomes in there. Surgical, just ripping them apart. I mean, they got six points. So. <laughs> no, have I mean, I mean to keep to it real, that kind of the, the Chiefs' you know? offense has kind of been like that this year too. I mean, that's we'll move the ball down the field. Fair. We're just not gonna score points. We'll get a field goal though. 
So I want to I want to talk about who I think are really the I, I think I think there's not as many contenders in the NFL as as people are are putting out there. Like I think I think there are more people willing to entertain who are real contenders than are actually real contenders. So for instance, like I think there's only two teams that are for sure elite teams in the league. And that right now is just the chiefs and Eagles. Like the chiefs and Eagles, I think are for sure the elite teams. Um, Certainly the Eagles have some issues right now with their secondary. Uh, They're not that great against at stopping the pass. Their pass rush is great, but like the really good passing teams are putting in work on the, on the Eagles defense right now. Um, like we, I mean, we saw it just this past Sunday when they, uh, when they played the Cowboys, I mean, the Cowboys had a chance to go and win that game. They didn't because they're the Cowboys, but, um, they had a chance in that game to go out there and take care of business because Eagles defense, I mean, they can stop the run. They're really great at rushing the passer. Their secondary is not very good. Um, and it's, it could be very well be a problem for him in the postseason if they end up getting the, the wrong matchup there, or if, you know, a team like the, the Cowboys were to get their stuff together and actually, you know, be an elite offense. Um, so, you know, there are some issues there. Obviously the chiefs have issues, you know, scoring when they get into the red zone issues with wide receivers getting open and whatnot. Um, but still, you know, top 10 offense in the league just need to, fix their issues in the red zone. And, you know, we're not having this conversation as much. Um, But then there's, I think, I think there are a few teams that are flawed, but I still think you got to put some respect on their name as far as being a real contender for a championship. One of those is the Bengals. I mean, if you look at the Bengals statistically, you're like, how in the hell are they, do they have, are they an above 500 team? Like the Bengals are bottom 10 in offense and defense. They're not like statistically not a great team, but a lot of that was because of how they started the season. They started the season terribly on offense at one point. Like, I think it was like a month ago when I was filling in for dusty on this show after hours on Sundays, they were the worst offense in the league at one point. Like they were terrible on offense at one point. They've kind of started to figure it out. Their offense is starting to look like the the offense that we know and hate here in Kansas City over the last couple of years. But um I still think yeah, you got to you got to respect them for uh their ability to contend in the AFC. And same with the Bills as well. They don't look like the same team that they've been, but Josh Allen is still one of the more talented quarterbacks in the league. Stefan Diggs has been so great this year, um, really consistent. I think he leads the league in receptions right now or, or did going into the, into last week. Um, so certainly you've got that there. Dalton Kincaid is starting to really show out as a, as a pass catcher. Um, yeah. Like you, you got to give a lot of credit to the bills there. I think the Ravens are in that conversation too. I know some people are trying to put them up there with the chiefs, Again, they have won one playoff game with Lamar Jackson. I'm not a believer in the Ravens in, in the postseason. Like, cool, they're seven and two, second place in the in the AFC right now. 
And, you know, they have been beating the hell out of some good teams. Beat the hell out of Seahawks last week. Beat the hell out of the Lions, I think, a couple weeks ago. Like, I get it, you know. And, and the Ravens had a lot of hype going into the season because new offensive coordinator, they get a few more weapons, go to Odell Beckham Jr., who's not been good this year. Um, Zay Flowers is a very good weapon that they drafted at a Boston College. Uh, I I would have loved to see him on the Chiefs uh, had he been there available at 31, but unfortunately didn't happen. Um, but they've got a talented team. Their defense is great. I think they're second in the league in total defense. So, uh, you know, they, that team right there looks really, really good. I mean, top 10 in offense and defense as well. Um Certainly a team you can look out for. Again, not much of a believer in Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. Only one playoff win in his career in the play and and not only that, but like the last couple of years he hasn't even finished the season. He's been hurt. So uh I think that works against him as well. And then the 49ers, another flawed team. Brock Purdy got a little bit too much hype going, you know, going into the middle part of the season. Um he was playing well in some games that he should be playing well in when he had all of his weapons and then Debo gets hurt. He has the shoulder injury and um, you know, you've had other injuries as well with Christian McCaffrey and you're starting to see some cracks in the armor there with the, uh, with the, the 49ers. If you don't have this gross uh, wealth of talent around Brock Purdy, He's not really that good of a quarterback. So that's something they're, they're going to have to contend with. Their defense as well has not played very well as of late. But defense is so much talent. They probably have the best linebacking core in football. Very strong defensive line. Pretty good secondary. I like Hufanga. I like Charvarius Ward. Um, so I, you can't discount the 49ers there. And then there are teams that are pretty good, but not real contenders. The Dolphins, top of that list. Not not a real contender. Um, you know, I, I said it going into the game last week. Uh, you look at the games that they play against teams above 500, uh, they get smacked. You know, they, they lost by four touchdowns to the Bills. Uh, the Bills have struggled on offense this year. Very quietly struggled on offense this year. Lost by four touchdowns. They, they scored 48 points on the Dolphins when they played them earlier this year. They played the Eagles a few weeks ago. They only scored 17 points on the Eagles. And the Eagles don't have a very good pass defense. And they only scored 17 points against a not-that-great secondary. Um, and then you played the Chiefs, and you just get dominated the entire time on de- on by their defense. You only scored 14 points, your lowest point output. Um, plus, on top of that, their defense isn't very good, bottom 10 in the league. So um, they're not real. I don't believe in the Cowboys because Dak Prescott, um, not a big believer in him. The Lions, we'll see in the playoffs. I'm not buying them. Chargers, 500 team right now. But again, they're a team kind of similar to the Ravens a bit where they don't do a whole lot of winning in the playoffs. Um and I mean, last year they had a 27 point lead against the Jags and then they just completely choked it away. Um, so, you know, I'm not that big of a believer in the chargers and then the Jags. I know they got to win against the bills in London. Again, I think they had an advantage in that game because of the fact that 
they traveled the week before and played a game there so they were able to get used to the time difference. The Bills did not. So that was a big advantage for the Jags. Both teams played a really sloppy game, too. They just, the Jags played a little less sloppy. And the Jags are starting to make a run right now. They're seven and two. But I, I, again, I'm not that big of a believer in them. They have an easy schedule. And, you know, when they had an opportunity to go beat the Chiefs at home, they scored three field goals. That's it. Again, Chiefs have a great defense. They scored three field goals against the Chiefs. So um, those are who I think are the real contenders and who are not. Um, Coming up next, we're going to close this show out. And I'll tell you why I I think – Guys like Tyler Bajant and uh, and Brock Purdy get way more hype than they deserve. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Beautiful girls all over the world. I could be chasing, but my time would be wasted. They got nothing on you. Final few minutes here on After Hours here on 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app. If you missed any of the hot takes that me and Julio have been passing out here over the last almost three hours now, go on the Odyssey app, wherever you listen to podcasts, search for After Hours. It'll be on there. Me and Julio have been out here throwing them out. Even came out with my old intro music. Passing them out like hotcakes. <laughs> so we're at halftime now here uh, between Panthers and Bears. Ten, was it? Did they get the field thrilling goal? 10 9 game? 10 right 9 now. game. Yeah, they got the field goal. So 10 to 9. Awkward score. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like, because like Tyler Bajant and Brock Purdy have been getting, especially. Especially Beijing. Because, like, I think Purdy's earned some of the hype. Yeah. Some so. of the hype. Not all so. of the hype. Some of the hype. Because he has performed well at times. And he did have, like, a win streak uh, of games that he didn't get injured in. Because, obviously, he lo- they lost the championship game. And he tore his UCL in that game. But outside of that game, he had a win streak. Um, and he's gotten a ton of hype. And then now... Bajant has been getting a lot of attention. Not Brock Purdy level yet, because he hasn't been good. But he's been getting a fair amount of attention for a guy who's really not that good. And frankly, I kind of find it annoying. And the reason why, for me, I think they do it is because I think that the NFL... And all of these media entities are trying so hard to create the next Tom Brady story that they're willing to squeeze whatever they can. I mean, I generally sports tends to gravitate towards the underdog story anyways. But, like, what have we seen all throughout this game tonight? It's been the fact that Tyler Bajant won whatever, was it the Halson Hill Award or whatever the hell it is, the Heisman for Division II? And they're hyping that up because Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy. 
uh, at Alabama. And so you've got Heisman versus the Holson Hill matchup. The first time it's Same ever thing, happened. You know, it's, it's not very equal. It's very not, equal. it's no? not, no, it's sure? not, no, it's not, okay. it's not equal. It's okay. not anywhere near, near being equal. I mean, it's, a, it's, 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 it's like, it's like winning the MVP award for a single a minor league team versus MVP for a major league team. Like it's that. No, diff- so there's a big difference. It's a vast okay. difference, <laughs> but like, I hate the fact like a, it puts a lot of pressure on those guys, too much pressure on those guys. Cause like Brock Purdy's getting killed now in the media. And it's like, what are you killing him for? He's doing what a guy who was drafted at the, with the last pick of the draft would do when he doesn't have as much talent around him as he normally had. Like, shouldn't the fact that he was doing well with all that talent have been a sign that, Hey, maybe if you take some of that talent away, he's not going to play as well. It's not like he was out there killing teams with his arm. He was just throwing three yard slant passes to Debo. And then Debo would turn it into a 20 yard game because he's a great player. Like I, I get it. Like we want to try we, so hard because they tried to do this a few years ago with Trevor Simeon as well. When he was the Bronco, when actually, no, he was, yeah, when he was the Broncos quarterback. Oh, he's a sixth round pick. We're going to create this great story about this sixth round pick who became a starting quarterback in the league and kept his job for many years. And you know what? He's a backup with the Jets right now. He's a backup to Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's not good. If you're backing up Zach Wilson, you're That's also awful. not good. That's pretty bad. So it's like. Can we just not try to can we just kill the Tom Brady narrative? Like let Beijing just go out there and play. If he's not good, which he's, he's not good. Like if he's not, then that's fine. No, he's not. You know, he's he looks like a career backup. You know, he'll probably play for a few years. He might have a magical game here and there. But he, he's not a he's not a franchise guy. Just let him let him be who he is. Special thanks to Julio Sanchez for putting in all the hard work today. Special thanks to you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to listen to us. My name is Christian Ocero, and this is After Hours here on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. I see me and Julio down by the schoolyard. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.